It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into the VolQuest podcast. Eric Kane, Brent Hubs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis here on with you today. And a big shout out to Smoky Mountain Organics. East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of elements. They have three locations in East Tennessee, one location right here in Knoxville that's on Kingston Pike, 8018 Kingston Pike. It's across the street from the Trader Joe's, and you can always buy and shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. All right, be sure to follow us on YouTube. Follow, like, subscribe by searching VolQuest. Every time we have an interview, a podcast, whatever we throw up there, you subscribe, you follow, you will be notified when we post there. And of course, today we're going to get into a recruiting weekend, and it was it was fruitful. Um, you had two commits, uh, but what's really going to be telling here, uh, gentlemen, is in the next few weeks when what more can come from this weekend. Uh, we're going to go through and talk, uh, you know, bits and pieces about each and every every guy that was here. But first, let's start with the two commits, uh, Brent Hubs, uh, a two longtime. Uh, guys who have been linked to the University of Tennessee and safety John Slaughter and linebacker Jeremiah T. Lander. And down Tennessee, you can see that it's really taking shape on the defensive side of the football in terms of commits. They have a guy at every level and at every position outside of quarterback now with the additions of uh, John Slaughter and a linebacker in Jeremiah T. Lander. Yeah, and, and specifically T. Lander, I think the biggest thing that jumped out to him when when he uh, – he'd been up here sick. This was his sixth visit, so he was very comfortable with Tennessee – but I think the final thing was uh, being around the other recruits and then just more conversations with Tim Banks and uh, Brian Jean-Marie about how he would be used in the defense and, and, the, and the multiple ways he would be used and, and what all they, they, they're allowed to do, the freedom that the defense has to play with. I think he felt very comfortable with the scheme. And as he said, you know, he just found a peace with Tennessee. And again, I mean, that's Austin, that's tailor-made recruiting when, when you get a guy on campus five times unofficially before you get his official visit that, I mean, you wish every one of them would like that because if that were the case, you feel like you'd have a chance to, to bat a thousand because you're not going to have many kids make that many visits and not end up at your school. Except for Derrick Henry, <clears throat> Derrick Henry. Um, but, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, most of the time that is exactly how this plays out. You know, the kid that visits the school the most has a really good relationship with the coaches um, you know, that school is going to be a heavy contender if not the, the end up, you know, the end result uh, in the end. And, and T. Lander, you know, Louisville made a run, North Carolina made a run, but Tennessee was uh, the school that he just felt most comfortable at. And then with John Slaughter, the only official visit he took, Eric, I mean, you know, he knew where he wanted to go. He knew where he was going when he left campus last month. You know, I mean, he wasn't taking any other officials. Since then, he dropped a top three, but he didn't go to any of those schools. But he could have. But he just knew he wanted to go to Tennessee. And so there was no point to waste anybody else's time. He just wanted to have the pomp and circumstance of the top three and all that stuff that all the kids do. Yeah, Rob, I think these are two guys that obviously, you know, the fan base would have been frustrated if you missed out on because Tennessee had been linked to them for so long. But in terms of rival ratings, in terms of star ratings, all that type of stuff, it's not going to push the meter a whole lot. But that doesn't mean anything. I, I think Jer Jeremiah Tlander is a a really solid player and, and at the safety position. Now with John slaughter, you have three guys in this class who, I mean, you look at safety and you're, you're, you're pretty good right there. Right. And, and now you got to turn your attention to a guy that we're going to bring up here in just a moment. Christian Conyer. Yeah. I like the point you made earlier, Eric, about, you know, the defensive side taking shape. You got a guy at all three levels. Now, as you just mentioned, you don't have a quarterback, but you know, so much fanfare about, 
you know, Nico obviously dominating this class. But now when you start looking, I mean, they're starting to rack up some bodies on the defensive side of the ball, which was, you know, a, a huge need in this class. And they're not just racking up bodies. I mean, you mentioned the guys, star ratings are not necessarily going to move the you know, move the needle this weekend. Anytime a staff is ready to take kids this early in the process, I don't, I don't really worry about star ratings. I mean, because it's pretty clear they're they they like their evaluations. I mean, a guy like T. Lander, they've, you know, the full court press has been on. He's been up here, you know, half a dozen times now before he commits. And I mean, it's different to me when you're, you know, you're taking a three star in August or June, who you obviously are high on, as opposed to some guy that, you know, you brought in for a visit the last weekend of January, who you know, hadn't made it unofficial to your campus. So those are apples and oranges to me. Well, I, and, and I don't get real caught up in star ratings this time of year anyways, because kids that can be four end up three in the end or vice versa. I mean, look at James Pierce a year ago. I mean, I'm not saying these guys are going to, you know, five stars like James Pierce did. I'm not saying that at all. But my point is, is like, you know, who comes calling for them when the season starts? When the senior film goes out, Hubs, we all know every staff in America, they watch those first three or four games and all of a sudden – that new interest comes out from schools left and right. So, you know, what what's that like when we get the senior film rolling out? Well, there's no doubt. And, and you look, you, you're seeing guys get offers late, you know. I mean, you look at a guy like Ricky Gibson, AP. I mean, not, you know, not beloved by everybody. And then all of a sudden now, you know, George is all over him. And, and we, you know, we've seen Alabama offer, uh, uh, you know, a couple of kids here in the last little bit. I mean, it, it's an ever-changing deal, which is why star rankings change. Um, and it's why interest change. It's not just uh, evaluations of the first three games. That's a huge part of it. But it's also, you know, where guys at the end of the, the camp season, where, where are things evaluating? And, um, you know, so I, I think you do see the, the, the star rankings change quite a bit um, based on that. And you see schools' interest of kids change quite a bit based on uh, what happens the end of June and and how their board changes and then what happens with those guys' first three games in August or, or in September. Well, and, and as I point down the board, and I mean, I get it. I mean, you ha- you still have to get your fair share of, of, of studs, right, if you're trying to catch the elite. But, like, if you don't think every class in America has got a handful of three-star guys that are really just good players. I mean, you know, I mean, look at t- t- some of Tennessee's best players in the last several years and or coming back this year are our guys that were ranked three stars coming out of high school. And so, um, you know, I, the star, the star rating is, is, has, has always been flawed. It will continue to be flawed. It is what it is. No, no rankings system in America rivals 24 seven on three ESPN. None of them can feasibly see every kid on the planet and give it a proper evaluation. Right. Cause I mean, there's just some kids that live in the middle of nowhere that don't take visits. They don't go anywhere. So, you know, uh, again, who's recruiting a kid? Where could he go? Like, that's always going to stand out more to me than, than what, you know, somebody that's doing rankings has to say. Well, and remember, there's, you know, a few years ago, there was adjustment to fewer five stars and fewer four stars. I mean, the, the, you know, there should not be a stigma with a three-star football player. That's not a bad football player. That's not taking a guy who's just, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, those guys are good football players and, and you're not going to get a, I mean, very few people are going to sign, you know, that many five stars every year. And uh, what you want, Rob, is you want some of those three stars to develop into guys that were undervalued and underrated coming out of high school. And you see a lot, you see that happen a lot of times, much the same way you see five-star guys who are overrated. I mean, that's just part of the process as Austin mentioned. 
Yeah, I mean, we could we could rattle off plenty of examples of, of both. And you know, I think, you know, we're getting a little sidetracked, I think. But I mean, Tennessee's had more than its fair share of five stars, didn't pan out. And I mean, we've all seen three star guys come through here. I mean, man, Hubbard, as long this is I this is my 20th year with you, and you've been doing it longer than that. I as Ramon Foster played longer in the NFL than any any vol we've covered this decade. Probably that he had the longest NFL career. Played a long time. <laughs> and then there, there, there <laughs> a was a three star recruit. Yeah. And could have continued to play, just decided to give it up. Luke, I mean, Luke, no. Luke Stocker. Yeah, Hung around the NFL forever. Great Still example. Playing. Still playing. Good good example. Yeah. I think regardless, like you guys have went back to, these two guys were priorities in the spring and the winter. Um, I thought both of these guys were going to pop way sooner than they you know, did this past weekend, to be completely honest with you. But here they are. They're in this class. And now, as I mentioned with John Slaughter, you've got three safeties and Jack Luttrell, Sylvester Smith, and now uh, John Slaughter. You got to turn your attention now to, to finding some cornerbacks. Tennessee had three quarterbacks who officially visited this past weekend, none bigger um, than Christian Conyer. You talk about a four star that is a stud, uh, number one player out of Kentucky. Of course, everyone knows this is a Kentucky Tennessee battle. Tennessee sat in the driver's seat for quite some time. Kentucky sold the momentum last weekend on an official visit. Gentlemen, AP, where does Tennessee stand now with a decision looming just about a week away? Uh, where they've always been. I mean, you know, and, and all three, you know, corners are, are, are super impressive, right, Hubs? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and you know, Christian Connors is the guy that Tennessee's been the deepest involved in and the most involved in, um, you know, the, the whole time. Obviously, Kentucky ha has made their run and made their push and certainly ha has caused angst there. I think Tennessee did a good job uh, with the – I think Tennessee did a great job with the official visits all weekend long. Um you know, that's probably a little bit of a separate topic. But when, when you have as many as you have in, they did a really good job of balancing it out. They did some different things and kind of separating guys. And and, and at first thought of that, I thought, I don't know about all that. But what like it really did. The all three did, clicked, right? Yeah, well, all three corners clicked. But I was talking about the way that they separated kind of how they handled the visit um, up some with, with offense and defense. And it allowed those guys to have more one-on-one -on -one time with coaches, including the head coach. And there was a little more, I, I guess, intimacy, if you will, with it, as opposed to having, you know, kind of that car wash effect where you're just running guys through everywhere. And I, I think that paid off for them. But those three corners seem to click. Connor's the guy they've been in the best shape with. Um, I, I still think Jordan Matthews is fascinating to me because – Whereas LSU, it doesn't seem like they're anywhere to be found at this point. A AP, don't know that they can get in. It sounds like Texas is Tennessee's competition uh, for him right now. There's some ties to Tennessee, some loose ties back to some old Louisiana recruiting that Tennessee did years ago. That That's, pro that's not hurting Tennessee's chances, but it sounds like that's Tennessee-Texas right now. It is, 100%. Um, LSU, I'm not that's not to say they can't dig out of the hole they're in in October, November, or December, but right now I don't see them digging out anytime soon. And um, you know, he still has the official visit to Texas uh, at some point this fall. Obviously, that's gotta, you know, that that's gonna loom. Uh, but you know, when does he make his decision? He has said he would like to do something before season starts. Well, if that happens, then he ain't getting back to Texas before then. And, you know, so you know, what kind of momentum does Tennessee have? I think they have a good a bit amount of momentum. They are sneaky, sneaky in this uh, in this race. But it is definitely, a, to me, a two-team race at this point. 
um, with, you know, LSU always capable of digging out with a big fall on the football field and, you know, uh, you know, other stuff. So um, between him, Jakeem Jackson's going to do something. He told me July 28th. July 28th is the date he has circled on that now. Interestingly enough, that is inside that open week, you know, um, you know, that, that, that one, is he, is he trying to go somewhere in that open week again, or is he just sitting at home and he's going to come in on July 28th? I don't know. Um, he said there was no significance to it. He just kind of picked that date out, but it is within that week where technically he could go back over unofficially to Florida. This is a two team race as well, Florida and Tennessee, you know, and, and so Tennessee had a good weekend with both, you know, those guys. And then they had a great weekend with Conyer. And so, you know, again, Willie Martinez needs multiple corners in this class. So he could get two of these three, it'd be a win. Um, I think, you know, hitting all three would be winning the lottery. Yeah, I'm looking to bring in another defensive lineman as well. I, I think a guy that Tennessee looks to have done very well with this past weekend uh, is the Georgia product and, and Tyree Weathersby, a guy that's been on campus a couple of times, came back here front official this weekend, and uh, seems to me like Tennessee's sitting in a really, really good spot for Tyree Weathersby, Brent. They are, and I think that's another one of those that everybody kind of looks at and goes, you know, who is this guy? He didn't, he's not highly ranked, but this is a guy that, that Austin mentioned in the war room eight weeks ago, AP, something like that, a couple months yeah. ago, three months ago. This is a guy that Tennessee went out, saw in spring practice, um, and, and evaluated him and, and liked him from the get-go. They, they liked everything about his, his makeup, liked everything about the way he, he carried himself on the practice field, what he did, and, and Tennessee went in all in quickly. And uh, as a result, I think that's put Tennessee in a really good spot. Hey, we, we haven't seen these guys in pads this weekend, but I, I thought Weathersby looked as – Maybe better than anybody just from a physical standpoint. He's a good-looking kid. I 100% agree. 100% agree. How does that translate, Rob? I, I don't yeah, know. you don't know. I, I agree with you 100%. But he, he's, he'd be one of the first ones off the bus. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah oh, yeah. yeah I'll say this. I'll say this. When you look back at this weekend, Tennessee had 13 official visitors, 11 of which were not already committed. I, I think Tennessee's going to get more than half of that 11. And – Whoa, right, Hubbard, you write that down. <laughs> I know it, it's it, it, as of as but as of this now, but again, where, where are things at two weeks from now? You know, I mean, like, yeah. you know, CJ Allen, CJ Allen indicated to he was coming and then he went home and picked Georgia. So, like, what, kid, kid, kids aren't you know above you know saying one thing and doing another uh, across college football. So, you know, again, leaving the visit, I feel like they'll get more than half of those. Um, with that said. You know, I, it, I, the biggest thing I think, Hubs, is Tennessee could not have done any better with guys like Jordan Matthews, Hunter Osborne. Like, you knocked it out of the park. Is it good enough to land those kids? Time will tell. But Tennessee could not have done any better. There's nothing they could have done any different to improve where they were. It was a 10 out of 10 type visit type thing. So, if you don't get them, you just don't get them, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the visit went well. I think they had a good collection of personalities in that, that jived well together on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, I, I think they'd done a lot of legwork before those guys got here. And um, so, it, you know, I think you're right. You put your best foot forward, Rob, sometimes that's good enough, you know, that it gets you somebody. And, and then sometimes you just couldn't beat out a home state school or you couldn't beat out somebody else. And there's not anything you could have done differently. I don't feel like Tennessee was behind on any of the guys they brought in this weekend. Like they were late to the party in recruiting them. 
Um, I think the timing of bringing those guys in made sense. None of them that you looked at went, well, why'd they bring him in so late or so early? Uh, you know, I think they set it up well, and I think they executed it well from everybody you talked to on Sunday. Well, Hubbard, I mean, the most fascinating thing to me is, like, this big picture-wise, you believe we just covered a recruiting weekend the last weekend in June where Tennessee had 13 official visitors on campus, and it might, you know, depending on what happens down the road, this might have been their biggest recruiting weekend of the year, and it happened you know, the week before 4th of July. Well, welcome, welcome to the new January. <laughs> it's I mean, just different. Nuts. It's just, it's just the world we live in now. Uh, I think it makes it a challenge to, to, to hold on to guys, to keep momentum. That's why uh, Austin's point about, can you get somebody back up here unofficially in July, who is a part of this visit weekend uh, to continue some of that momentum. If maybe this was their first trip up here, I, I think that's big. I mean, I, I think it's big if you can pull that off. I don't know if that's realistic, um, but but you've got to find ways to to create and continue to keep momentum. So the thing you got to watch for to me is is that Florida weekend. How many guys do they have in unofficially that weekend that are not just twenty fours and twenty fives? AP, how many commits? How many uncommitted guys do they have in that weekend to try to continue to keep the momentum going in this class? I, I'll say this, um, you know, I, I think if a kid's not going to commit in the next. 30 days or 45 days, then yeah, holding the momentum is hard. But I had this discussion on Sunday with somebody when they were talking about, you know, holding on to recruits. Hubs, and, and, and I, I can promise you, one of the people on the general's quarters can go dig this up. I just don't feel like that kids decommit that much anymore. I can't remember, ten, I mean, how many, not people that Tennessee cut, not, not people that Tennessee cut. I don't mean the Daryl Jacksons or the tight end from Ohio last year or whatever. I, I'm saying Tennessee actually lost. I, I think that number is five, six, maybe in the last seven or eight years. Like kids, it just doesn't feel like kids defect. At least the ones Tennessee has recruited. Uh, the last they lost several a staff. lot in that 2021 cycle. Whenever What's Tennessee, that? they lost a lot in the fall of 2020. Um, that tight end that went to Ole Miss uh, was it was a big one. Uh, Hudson Wolves, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't count ones that defected because of a coaching change. I'm well, talking was, about like with a stable coach. Well, uh, that was to be fair. That was before the coaching change, but I mean it was impending most likely. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean here's what I think happens, and, and I may be wrong on this. And 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 Rob, you may have a opinion. I mean everybody can have an opinion on this. I think the transfer portal, the emergence of the transfer portal, will limit some decommitments because a kid knows. He's not, hey, he's not I'm, stuck. I'm not stuck. I can leave after a year if it's not the best place for me, you know, or if I'm worried about competition, um, you know, I, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'll go there and see. And if I don't feel like I get a fair chance to, to play there, I can leave. So, and, and I think because of that stuff too, with coaches running guys off, I, I think because of that flexibility, you probably don't see that as much. Now, here's the question with NIL out there, does that open it up, Rob, to more decommits because somebody comes in swinging a big stick late because they're in desperate need of getting somebody at some position? Yeah, I think that's a great question in IL, and I and I think that's something we won't find out until you know the real true impact until December or January. But I, I think your point's well taken on the you know it's just not as punitive if you want to move anymore after you know the, the avenue is there, the pathway is there for you to. Um, you know, bounce after a year. And I think another one, Hubbard, I think compared to at least when you and I were, were doing this in the early 2000s, I think kids are waking, making way more 
informed decisions because they take so many more unofficial visits and it starts so much earlier than, um, you know, in, in the recruiting process. As you mentioned, T. Landry was capping off what, at least his sixth visit here this right. weekend. I mean, and I, and that, I don't, when, when you stretch it out to, you know, when a kid who's, you know, starts camping like we saw a lot this weekend, it's a rising sophomore or even a rising freshman. 26s I, I just, that were camping, 27s were camping. Yeah, I mean, there's many. just no comparison to how much more kids get out and, and get a feel for things than they did even, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, you're taking five official visits in January. And, and a lot of guys maybe, are, maybe came up for spring practice. Right. Maybe. You know, I mean, and it's just one of those things where it's just a different world because these kids are seeing schools so many more times. And it's not just one school they're seeing. I mean, these kids are making five visits to one school, three or four visits to another. They're seeing a lot of places uh, before they ever rise at the decision. And that was just not the case, you know, back years ago when everybody took basically their five officials. And uh, in some cases, if the weather was good that weekend, that was a big factor. Or if the food was good that weekend, that was a big factor. You know, or if the girls were pretty that weekend, that was a big factor in making the decision on where you're Still going. Still a big factor, I bet. Yeah, but guys are making guys are making more informed decisions than, than they used to because they're developing deeper relationships with all the visits. Three more guys I want to hit on that were here this weekend uh, of very much importance. All these guys are important, but uh, Big Francis, he did set his commitment dates when speaking with uh, you, Austin, saying July 4th is when he's going to make his call. Uh, USC, Tennessee battle there. Shamrod, a fellow offensive tackle uh, who was here this weekend. Seems like Tennessee did well there. And, of course, a priority of wide receiver, Nathan Laycock, who continues to bomb with Nico and some of those other guys who are on campus this weekend. Um, three guys that Tennessee uh, needed to do well with and looks like they did are, are in pretty good shape with leaving the weekend. Yeah, you know, and and don't discount Miami. You know, I mean, I watch Francis's – I mean, his, his retweets and stuff. You know, he was retweeting a picture of him and Jaden Rashada on Twitter and you know, from all accounts, that they may actually be Tennessee's biggest competition, um, you know, over the next week. So, you know, it's obviously a, a huge week for, for, for Francis. He's back in Hawaii around a bunch of family. They're going to discuss things. They're going to talk about things. Um, you know, I, I feel like Tennessee's in a good spot. I think that they, uh, you know, again, did as well as they could do. You know, I mean, I just think this boils down to just comfort level. The fact he's been here, you know, now multiple times, Nico. I'll tell you that the the El Maliavas are going to play a huge role in this. this that Samoan culture is no joke. I mean, it's something that you know they they are very a tight knit unit, very much a tight knit unit. And uh, you know, I just think that that's the ultimate. Uh, I think that's the ultimate. You know, kind of cherry on top in this thing, in my opinion, is just you know how much those two families jive this weekend. Um, who are the other two you want to talk about? Sorry. Uh, Shamarod. Yeah. Yeah. Sham Yumarov. Um, I love saying that the Russian accent. Um, uh, Sham, again, he'll do something mid-July. And so the question for me is, is, is he waiting to see what Georgia does with other guys that potentially are ahead of him on the board? You know, if not, then it's definitely Tennessee. Otherwise, it, it, then you got to watch Georgia there. It's Tennessee and Georgia, and it's nobody else in my opinion. Nathan Laycock, um, a guy that was at the seven-on-seven seven tournament in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, or last weekend, rather, I, and continuing I, to bond with Nico. I think, yep, 100%, and, and really good bond with Kelsey Pope. Um, those two jive a lot. Nathan's told me that for three or four weeks now, how much Pope 
recruits him. You know, he's like, he recruits him me like I, he doesn't have another receiver in the room. Like he's like, he goes, I look at their, you know, wide receiver room and they've got good wide receivers. And, you know, he recruits me like they don't have anybody. Like he, I mean, he just made him a huge priority and has for several weeks, well before Carnell Tate. So don't act like, you know, it's not that type of thing. Um, so, uh, you know, Nathan, definitely it feels like trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that, that those around Nathan want to make sure he's making a unemotional, well-informed decision. Nobody, I don't, th- I don't think anybody's against Tennessee in that case at all, but I don't think anybody wants, the, when I say anybody, the people around Nathan Austin doesn't feel like they want, they want to make sure he's not rushing into anything uh, in terms of making a decision there. Uh, but I think that's part of why there's no hard date on anything being done or, or yeah terms of making a you know making news or anything like that yeah it feels like sometime the next two three weeks now we all know the role that nico is playing in this class obviously we see it on social media we, we see it right here on campus when when he's he's coming here many many times but what are the roles that some of these commits are playing i mean ethan davis is a perfect example um i was very impressed with him uh when he spoke with us uh, on sunday and uh, just, you know, trying to not be a Nico, um, but to be his own in this class and help recruit and help form those relationships. And, I mean, he had a lot of great things to say. Rob, what would you say that the role kind of for these commits now, John Slaughter, Jeremiah T. Lander jumping on board, what, what are they what are they playing uh, their role here uh, in the summer months? Eric, the social media stuff is, is more your world as far as the peer recruitment. I think when you have a bunch of kids on campus for a weekend like this or Memorial Day um, that are committed or, or know they're going to commit that weekend, I think it, you know, I, I think it has a very tangible effect of, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to push any kid over the edge, but I think when you have, you know, 20 kids on campus and you got six or seven commits uh, that, I mean, I think, I kind of think that's a big deal when you have, because those kids are selling the program. I mean, they're, you know, you know, I don't, I don't think they, that these guys put a, put a full court press on anybody, but I, I do think it has an impact when you're, that age and you have you know i don't clicks probably too strong of a word but when you have kind of a nucleus of guys who are already going there especially you know a pied piper type like like nico who everybody that, that you know comes through the door knows who that kid is and good players want to play with other good players mm-hmm. that that's that's the bottom line that I mean they, they want to play with other good players and you know guys that they feel comfortable with that they get to know I think people would be shocked at how well these kids all connect with each other and how well they've known they know each other um, through the la- through the last couple of years. Even though they haven't been on the road as much as as other classes because of COVID and everything, they've been at enough camps, they've been at enough unofficial visits, bumping into each other to to swap numbers and, and to communicate. We all know how kids communicate now: Snapchat, Instagram, you know. Just text like you messages, have. all that kind of stuff. Carrier pigeons. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm a carrier pigeon guy. Uh, but 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 you know the communication that these guys have with each other, I think, is pretty. It would surprise a lot of people how, how much they all talk to each other around the country. And good players again want to play with other good players. Anything else from this weekend worth mentioning uh, in terms of player, in terms of movements, um, outside of what we've already mentioned? Anything else from this weekend, Brent or AP? Or uh, I, I was going to say. AP, I mean, we hadn't talked about Hunter Osborne a lot lately. Me and you were both there with him, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm taking my lead from you. I mean, I think you feel like Clemson's been the elephant in the room. I thought, I mean, I, I thought Tennessee really, as he said in his own words, really gave him something to think, to think about. 
Now, whether or not that ends up with him being, you know, coming to Knoxville, I don't know. But I, I, I think it was kind of better this weekend than he thought it was going to be. Well, Clemson's told him he has to give them a decision before July 5th. Because they, you know, that's what they do. They strong arm kids. When kids are going to quit falling for that, for that nonsense, I, I, a few of them already have. A guy, a guy like Tony Rojas, who I think wanted to go to Clemson, but did not want to be told he had to go at a certain day. And, you know, is now not. So, like, you know, more and more kids, you know, fight back on that every year. And so, um, you know, I think you're going to know something. It's hard for me to believe that he's going to inform schools in the next week to 10 days and then not announce to August 25th, like he said, right? I mean, like, that's never going to work out. I mean, like, it don't work out if the kid's informing schools and he's going to commit tomorrow. Um, you know, so – I think you'll know something in the next 10 days or so on Hunter Osborne one way or the other. Yeah. And I think that Clemson visit for, for Hunter was interesting and not a bad visit, but was, I think part of the reason this one felt a little different was he was at that Clemson visit when there were 31 AP 30, 30 31, yeah, some 32, some uh, official visitors, you know, that, I mean, there was, there was a half a football team, half of a roster there on an official visit and obviously that's Clemson's decision and, and they've, they've recruited extremely well. So it's, it's not like it's gone bad, but there's no way those guys got as much personal time on that visit as they got on the Tennessee visit here when you have half as many guys there. And I think that was something that you heard a couple of guys talk about this Hunter being one of them and some other guys talking about, they got more one-on-one time with a head coach or they got more one-on-one time he with a position a coach you know, than they did on some other visits, not just Clemson, but even some other visits. And I think Hunter Osborne's one of those. Um, I think you can throw a couple of those DBs into that equation as well, Eric. Yeah, uh, I think so as well. When, you know, speaking with, again, Jakeem Jackson and uh, Jordan Matthews, I think they were pleasantly surprised by the amount, and not just talking shop and sitting down there watching film and all that, but just just hanging out and getting to know these coaches on a one-on-one, you know, relationship top level. So I think it exceeded expectations for th- some of those guys who haven't been here much or maybe the first time being here uh, this past weekend. And, you know, we'll see how much, like we've all said, we'll see how much that carries. But uh, I think that was a good note for, you know, on Tennessee's side. Last thing, it's about to go dead in terms of recruiting. No more official visitors and everything. That last week in July will open up. AP, anything we should be, you know, marking on our calendars, anybody that's notable that we know right now may be coming in. I know a lot of that will be for 2024s and whatnot, but what's on the horizon? No, no I mean, I, I, Sean Davion Bradley. You know, that's to me, that's the key. I, I think he's doing something first part of August. I think if he's coming here, he's coming back to Tennessee that open period in July. I, I think that is that week is is going to be very telling, in my opinion, for him. Like if he makes it back, then you know, providing he's not visiting all three of his final three, which are Texas A&M, South Carolina, Tennessee, that week. If if he makes it back in town uh, for an unofficial, then I think Tennessee's chances go through the roof. Tennessee will be on commitment watch over the next week, week and a half. Of course, Francis saying that he's going to announce on July the fourth. Christian Conner has been consistent, saying that he will announce. On July the 3rd, Jalen Smith uh, let it be known last week that he's going to announce on July the 10th. And uh, there's a lot of other prospects that could be announced between now and then. Tennessee certainly in the mix for all those. So no better time to be following us on YouTube by searching VolQuest. Every time we have an interview, a podcast, whatever we throw up there, you subscribe, you follow, you will be notified when we post there. And of course, a big thank you to Smoky Mountain Organics. Uh, three locations right here in East Tennessee, one right here in Knoxville. It's at 8018 Kingston Pike. 
across the street from the Trader Joe's, and you can always buy online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Uh, the June prospect camps are in the rearview mirror. Plenty of coverage coming up on the front page of VolQuest.com. A lot of in-state kids raise some eyebrows on Sunday. We'll have all that and more at VolQuest.com. Vacations, we'll vacations in the windshield, Kaner. Yeah, I'll see it ahead of me. We'll see AP in about a month, but for awesome price, Rob Lewis and Brent Hubbs. Want to ride a buffalo and wrestle a grizzly bear. Appreciate you guys listening, as always, to the VolQuest podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.